0: Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. I hope you're well. Today we have the next chapter of the Bibliotheca. As a reminder, I'm working from the Fraser translation, freely available in multiple places online. And we are up to chapter 7 of book 1, which picks up with a certain titan named Prometheus. Prometheus creates men out of water and earth, which sounds like a lot of other creation myths from the region. That's okay. The creation of man thing. Uh, But where Prometheus gets in trouble is when he hides some fire in a fennel stalk, which is impressive. I'm not sure exactly how you hollow out fennel without it Falling apart on you. Um, Anyway, Prometheus hides some fire in a fennel stalk and gives it to his new creations. Zeus is furious. And as a punishment, Zeus orders Hephaestus to nail Prometheus to Mount Caucasus. Uh, Every day an eagle eats Prometheus's liver, but since Prometheus is immortal, every night his liver grows back. And we saw the start of this story when we read Prometheus Bound um, by Aeschylus, or possibly by Aeschylus. Anyway, this punishment lasts until Heracles frees him, but that's a story for when we talk about Heracles. Prometheus has a son named Deucalion. Deucalion marries his cousin Pyrrha, the daughter of Epimetheus and Pandora, who you may recall as the first woman um, from the Hesiod stories. Now, do you remember all of the ages of man that Hesiod talks about as well um you know there was the uh, golden age and the silver age and anyway so we're up to the bronze age zeus decides that he's done with the bronze age and that he's going to destroy all of those men all of those bronze age men prometheus instructs deucalion to build a chest a really big chest big enough for food and deucalion and Pyrrha, and they climb aboard. And Zeus makes it rain, flooding most of Greece and to drowning everyone. I mean, well, except for those who were smart enough to climb to a high mountain. And Deucalion and Pyrrha, in their chest, of course, also survive. And they float along for, can he guess? No, not 40 days. Wrong flood story. This is a Greek story. Nine days, of course, and on the tenth day the rain stops and they land, and wisely they sacrifice to Zeus in thanks for their escape from the flood. And Zeus is cool with this, so he sends Hermes to ask what gift Deucalion wants. Deucalion asks for men, and Zeus tells Deucalion and Pyrrha to throw stones over their shoulders. The ones Deucalion throws become men, and the ones Pyrrha throws become women. And we don't get the weird incest of the biblical version of this story because we get a whole batch of brand new, unrelated humans. And and Pyrrha have some children of their own, too. Helen, although some people do say his father is Zeus, and that's Helen with two L's, as in Hellenic or Hellenistic, or what we would call Greek today. That's kid one. Kid two is Amphictyon, who gets to rule Attica. And kid three is a daughter, Protogenia, whose kid is Aethilis, uh, Sorry, Athelius, and Athelius' father is, of course, Zeus. Helen's sons are Doris, Zuthus, and Aeolus. Their mother is the nymph Orsias. Uh, Zuthus rules the Peloponnese. He marries Creusa, the daughter of Erechtheus, and their sons are Achaeus and Ion. You may remember Ion from the Euripides play named after him. And you may, may remember that the Greeks aren't really called Greek in all of our ancient sources. They're Achaeans after Achaeus or Ionian. Ionians after Ion, or Dorians after Doris, who ruled the land neighboring the Peloponnese. Aeolus ruled Thessaly, and so those people are called Aeolians. Aeolus marries an Aureti, and they have seven sons, Cretheus, Sisyphus, Athamas, Salmoneus, <laughs> Daeon, Magnes, and Perares my mouth is not wrapping around those names today. And they also have five daughters Kanaki, Alcyone, uh Pisideki, and Paramede. Paramede has two sons with Achelous: uh Hippodamus and Orestes, not the Orestes you're already familiar with. Obviously we know who his parents are. Um so no, this is different different Orestes. And Pisideke has two sons with Myrmidon, Antiphus and Actor. Alcyone marries Caix, the son of Lucifer, not that Lucifer. Um, Caix says that he's married to Hera, and Alcyone says that she's married to Zeus, even though they're married to each other, and clearly the gods can't tolerate that sort of cheek, so Zeus turns them into birds. Alcyone becomes a kingfisher, or Alcyon, and Caix becomes a gannet, or Caix, uh, Kanaki and Poseidon have children too: uh, Hoplius, Nereus, Epapius, Aleus, and Triops. And this bit of the family tree gets really messed up because Aleus marries Iphimedea, Medea, whose dad is Triops, making her Aleus's niece. But wait, it gets worse. If Medea doesn't love her uncle husband, no. Now she's in love with Grandpa Poseidon, and Poseidon being ugh, is all too happy to oblige, and they have two sons, Otos and Ephialtes, also known as the Aloads. They have some serious pituitary gland issues, growing to nine cubits broad and nine fathoms high by the age of nine. Although, obviously, that's also, you know, a very appropriate mythological thing, because, again, we've got the 9 and then the 10, right? Um, So they get really big by the age of 9, and so when they're 10, they decide to challenge the gods, because why not? So they set Mount Asa on Mount Olympus and Mount Pelion on Mount Asa and climb up to the heavens that way. And, yes, I am very confused by this story each version of it that i've read so far has olympus at the bottom of this pile of mountains and if the gods live on mount olympus olympus then shouldn't that be the destination it it, it's one of those places you just don't don't think too hard about it um, because i have and my brain cannot process this Back to the story. In Fraser's translation, he writes that Ephialtes woos Hera and Otos woos Artemis, but I think we all know that wooing is not what happens. They also manage to imprison Ares, but Hermes rescues Ares using his wiles as a trickster god, and then Artemis turns herself into a deer, jumps between the giants, and in their eagerness to try and kill her, they each throw their spears and hit each other instead of Artemis. And that's the end of the Aeloads. Moving back up the family tree a bit, the story now returns to Cal, uh, Calicae. She and Athelius have a son named Endymion. He takes a group of Iolians from Thessaly to Ellis. Um. Oh, and he might not have been Aethleus' son. Some people say that his dad is, of course, Zeus. Either way, he's really pretty, and the moon falls in love with him. So Zeus lets him... um sorry let's endymion pick his pick his fate and endymion picks sleeping beauty he is liminality personified uh he he neither ages nor dies he just sleeps forever uh and so he's not awake he's not dead he's not growing older he's not growing younger which i know isn't really a thing but I suppose it could be he's he just stays in this liminal state for eternity before that though Endymion has a son named Aetolus who's a real charmer he kills Apis the son of Foroneus and flees, and he's taken in by Dorus, Laudicus and Polypoetes who we've already mentioned as the sons of Thea and Apollo and and he kills all three of them too and then he renames their land ayatolia after himself and Iatolia, if that sounds at all familiar yeah turkey um where what would be today but that was also again that was all part of the greek world in at this time the, that the mediterranean world is a lot smaller than people you know where i live in the u.s which is of course a large country we have you know Things are far apart here. You forget how close together things really are in the Mediterranean. Um, back to Aetolus. Aetolus marries Pronoe, whose dad is Forbus, and their sons are Pleuron and Caledon, which you may or may not recognize as two cities in Aetolia. Pluron marries Xanthope, Doris's daughter, and their son is Agenor. They also have three daughters, Sterope, Stratonike, and Laophanti. Caledon marries Iolia, Amathian's uh, daughter, and they have two daughters, Epicaste and Protogenia. Protogenia is one of Ares' conquests, and their son is Oxylus. Epicasti, on the other hand, marries her cousin, Agenor, and their children are Porthon and Demonike. And Demonike is another of Ares' conquests, and their children are Evenus, Molus, Pelus, and Thestius. Evanus' daughter is Marpesa. Apollo chases after her, but Idas, son of Apharius, picks her up in a winged chariot that Poseidon gave him, and Evanus chases after him, but when he can't catch up, he does the only logical thing. He kills his horses and throws himself into the river Lycormus, which is then called Evanus in his memory. Yeah. Idas and Marpesa reach Messini, and Apollo catches up with them there. Idis and Apollo get into a fist fight over Marpesa, but Zeus tells them to break it up and does a remarkable thing. He says that Marpesa gets to choose. She opts for Idis as the lesser of two evils because he's mortal and so he will age with her, whereas Apollo will stay forever young and probably get tired of her when she gets old. Again, moving back up the family tree, the story turns to Thestius. He and Eurythemus have seven children, three daughters, Althea, Leta, and Hypermenestra, and four sons, Iphiclus Evipus, Plexippus, and Eurypylus. We may come back to some of them, but not right now. Instead, we hop back up the tree to talk about Portheon and Eurydice, Hippodamus' daughters. Their sons are Oinus, Agrius, Achilles. Alcathuis, Melas, and Leucoeus, and their daughter is Sterope, who some people say is the mother of the sirens. And that is the end of the surprisingly long (laughs) chapter seven. There are a few things I want to touch on, but I think that we should take a short break first. This chapter really serves to explain a lot of the geography of ancient Greece. I mean, where did all of the regional names come from? Um, the Same for the cities. And Obviously, it all goes back to whoever founded the place or died there or something along those lines. And since that's a big focus of this chapter, it feels rather disjointed. I mean, well, I mean, there's that and the fragmentary nature of the source material that does not help. The story that really stands out, though, at least to me, is Marpessa's. Um, I don't know that she really has a good choice. It's not as though she gets her pick of any individual of the male persuasion. She has to pick between a god who tried to ki- kidnap her and immortal who succeeded in kidnapping her. I mean, just because Idas res- rescues her from Apollo doesn't mean that his intentions are what you might call noble. It's not like she was standing there, you know, trying to flag down the nearest passing chariot to pick her up, Um, at least from what we have of the story, it does not sound that way. But nonetheless, Zeus, who thinks he's, well, I mean, his gift to women, uh, lets her choose who she will marry. It's not great, but it's a better ending than you'd expect from an ancient Greek myth, and And we've seen other myths where, you know, where we have a mortal and a god trying to keep that mortal forever, and of course, the gods never age and they never die, but mortals are still mortal, and we do age and die, and who wants to be in that situation, right? Where where you're with somebody who's never going to grow old. Um... So, so it it makes sense that if she has to choose between the two, I think she made the right choice personally um, to to live with someone who 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 will grow old with you, and possibly die, so that you can maybe you know have a pick of someone who you actually really love, or just get to be by yourself. Which I know isn't going to be a thing for a woman in ancient Greece. Anyway, so what do you think of the tales that uh, we covered today? There were a lot of them. Can can you explain the whole Mount Olympus, Mount Awesome, Mount Pelion thing? Because if you can, that would be awesome. Pop over to the blog and share your thoughts or any additional knowledge that you might have. I am not an expert. I This is just stuff that I love. And yes, I've studied it, but it's not. it's not like I have... An advanced degree in this field um anyway the blog is at triumvirclio.school.blog the url and maybe a link are in the show notes if you're feeling so inclined you can also find me on patreon that url is in the show notes too no pressure our next episode will cover terence's Unicus. talk to you then you can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.